we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. She's back. Nadra Glover Tawab. Welcome. Hey. How are you, first of all? I am well. I'm excited. Okay. New book coming out, uh, Drama Free, a Drama guide free. to managing unhealthy family relationships. You have no idea how on time this book is. Mm. What does the title mean? Oh, what doesn't it mean? What is an unhealthy relationship? It's anything that is problematic and persistent. You know, it's not just childhood trauma. It's also issues with in-laws and mm -hmm. blended families and some of these cousins and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So what made you write this book? Do you have some, 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 you have some problems in your family that you had to sort out? Uh, well, you know, I'm a therapist, so I help people with problems. And mm -hmm. I think we all, to some degree, have something. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a misunderstanding, but we need the tools. You know what I thought about this week? And I didn't even tell Charlamagne this because it came to me when I was, uh, somebody asked me a question. Uh, when I was going through problems in, in my relationship with my wife, I was talking to my daughter at the time. She must have been about 16. And um, I had cheated. And I, had, I told my daughter. And my daughter said, well, dad, who told on you? And at first, I thought it was the funniest thing. My daughter riding for me. And then I thought about it. Am I setting a precedent where she feels like it's okay? 
Like who mm. told on you? Was it like damn? Yeah, you it's heard not about mom. the cheating? It's about getting caught, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. It, and and it affected me this weekend, and it hurt me. I never thought about it, and I thought about it this weekend, and I was like, damn, am I setting a precedent where she feels like it's okay, where somebody's supposed to forgive? Like this is just what men do, and it really bothered me. Like I, I cried this weekend because I was like, damn, I did that. But at first, I was like, yeah, that's my daughter. She's my ride or die. That's my best friend. That's what we do. Mm. But then I was like, nah, that's. That's why the Beijing look a little light on this side because you cried and it wiped it away <laughs> a little bit. Okay, I don't don't laugh at him, Nate. So, so did you go back and talk to your daughter and talk to her about the moment you had with yourself? No, not yet. She's she's twenty one now, so okay. she's a lot older now. She understands a lot better. But you know, when she was going through her teen years and she was dating, I was I it, I didn't think about it. But then I said I, I could have set her up for destruction. I could have set her up for going down the wrong route because of the way I handled it, and you know, it was a problem. Yeah, we have to stop this forgiving and forgetting culture. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy for us because what I found is we're not forgetting. And we're not really forgiven. That's real. We are very upset and passive aggressive in these relationships with people. And so there does have to be room for them harming us. And we're still bothered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what I love about this new book is, uh, you know, the fact that you're telling us to set boundaries for, you know, unhealthy families. Because, you know, people think just because they're your family, you owe them something. Or you're obligated to answer their phone calls or to go see them. I totally disagree with that concept mm -hmm. so so why why are boundaries always such a focal point for, for your books because mm. i think it is a focal point for relationships mm -hmm. we have to create new expectations and with family we do give a lot of passes it's like well this is so and so so they should always answer the phone when i call well that person has a job that's right and the the thing that they're doing right now is more important than hearing about your court show or mm -hmm. whatever that is you know i think sometimes um we have to set a new standard within families especially th with the level of awareness we have now i think this is now the time when people are more aware of oh i don't have to call them back i don't have to visit them mm -hmm. we are woke Mm -hmm. And we are aware of where we want to be and where we don't want to be. Isn't that a, a bad thing? You know, because it's your family should be your village, right? That should be the people that you, you know, lend an ear to or fall back on when things happen. And I feel like a lot of times we're getting away from that. We're getting away mm -hmm. from the black family learning the black family, right? Like, you know, my grandfather would tell me about my great grandfather and would tell me about my aunt. And it was just so many different things that told us our history. I feel like with that mentality that I, I seen a lot of people having, I, I'm feeling like we're losing that a little bit. Like I ain't calling that person back. I'm not close to that person, but we're losing that lineage, that line to tell us where we came from and how it was. You don't think? I would challenge that. I think when there's someone I want to talk to, I call them back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think in, in families, we have to think about not just being related, but also relationship. Mm. And sometimes we are not calling people back or we're not um, wanting to visit them because of the lack of relationship and we're focused on oh my gosh this is my blood well we still have to have something in common that's right we still have to have respect for each other we still have to be able to disagree so there are so many other factors so i think it's actually a calling mm -hmm. to be a better person in your relationships with your family members mm -hmm. to figure out huh why might they not be calling me back? Why don't they want to visit? Why are they leaning more towards these other things? It could be, you know, something that people need to address and not just say, oh, this generation don't want to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, it's for a reason because we all like to talk and we all like to be heard. So if someone isn't talking to you, why? 
Mm. How can you tell the difference between like family dysfunction and, and that's just how we've always been? Well, the norm can be normal for you and can still be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that I hear, you know, oh, we used to get beat or, oh, you know, this is how my mama talked to me. And it's like, well, cussing you out, it can be the norm in your family, but it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so some of those things we have to think about in general, is this behavior that should be tolerated by anyone? Mm. Is this behavior that I would accept from a friend? Is this behavior that I would see, you know, as suitable from a partner? Mm -hmm. And we're not thinking about that sometimes with family. We're giving a lot of passes and we're saying, oh my gosh, but this is, well, you still deserve to be treated a certain way. So, you know, I, I think with family, we have to learn to exist in those systems in a healthier way. Mm. What's the biggest misconception you see when it comes to family? Some things that people seem like they always go through or, or they thought was a problem. That we got to love people. Never mind. I'm sorry. That you have to like people. There you go. I love a <laughs> lot of people mm-hmm. that I don't speak to often or that I may not like all of their ways, but... You know, I think loving and liking is is two different things. And with families, it's like you have to like everyone. You have to talk to this cousin. You have to, you know, and it's, I think of family as like a class, right? Like when you start a new grade, there's 30 people in your class. I went to Detroit Public School, so it was 30 people in my class. But it's 30 people in your class and maybe three or four you vibe with, mm-hmm. right? I think it's the same with families. Like it's some people is whatever their personality, your personality is like this cousin, this aunt and this uncle, come on y'all. And the rest of them is like, oh no, they're all cool. I really like them, but there are just certain people personality wise. And that's the part we're not considering that there are people, even with your children, there Mm -hmm. are certain, you know, certain kids you're like this, this my guy. Mm-hmm. You know, based on personality, based on how much they seem to be like you or interested in your life. Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter likes to tell me that my my third daughter is my favorite. And that bothers me. Is it I true? Want, I don't think so. Mm. You know, but it, it's like, I don't like if that. If you don't think it's true. I don't think so. so. <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't feel like I have a favorite child. And I, I be trying to explain that to her. And she does it like, like even yesterday, you know, my, my third daughter was trying to get them to look at something like a picture she drew. And she was asking questions. What do y'all think this is? And they were kind of ignoring her, not on purpose, but they, they were t- having conversations with each other. And I'm like, pay attention to what she's saying. And my mm-hmm. oldest daughter was like, oh, you just wanted to pay attention because that's your favorite child. And that, mm-hmm. and that like makes me hot. Mm. Did your third daughter remind you of yourself? No, actually, my second daughter does. Okay. So I wonder I wonder why they're seeing this allegiance. I don't know. Well, something is happening. Yeah, so yeah, something yeah. is happening. You may not be clear of what it is, but it's something happening there, whether it's like you're over at, like, pay attention to her, or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. with her. Something is happening. I find that with parents sometimes they will deny no, I don't have a favorite or no, I treat everybody mm-hmm. the same when clearly they are not. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because we don't treat all people the same. And it's okay to recognize that like, hey, I am giving this person more attention because of X, Y, and Z, or I notice that too. And, you know, maybe try to be fair or maybe not, you know, but I think to deny it sometimes can be problematic for the sibling relationship. I just feel like that could lead to an unhealthy family relationship amongst the siblings. Because they think I'm playing favorites and I'm not. You know? I, I think that's in everybody's family when they have when you have a bunch of kids. See, I was the only child, so I didn't have to go through that. I was the child. Like, I mm-hmm. was the favorite because there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. But in any family like mine, it's like 
I cater to my daughters more than my sons. Why? Because my daughters cater to me. Mm. They're loving. They're cuddling with daddy. If I get sick, they're gonna lay in bed and rub daddy's back. See, they're gonna that might be daddy's juice. That's what my third daughter does. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, for real, for that's real, what they do. That's it. You know what I mean? The no, rest of them like your dad, you good? I right, see you later. Like, but the rest of them, they're gonna lay there. Like they're okay. gonna they're gonna comfort dad. And you you take a liking to that. Yeah, yeah. But do you acknowledge that? Do you say that to them like you're right, and this is why. So here's an opportunity for you to come cuddle with me. Yeah, but you know what? And this is going to sound crazy. My son is a 19-year-old football player. If he got in the bed and cuddled with me, it would just feel <laughs> awkward to me. Hey, look at me like that. That's wild, bro. What? You got six kids. Yes. Three of them are cuddle age. But you referenced a 19-year-old son? No, because my daughter's <laughs> cuddle with me. My son, my, my daughter... Two no, and three. I, I, my daughter the is 21. Adults. The adults. Oh, my daughter is okay, 21. Okay, she okay. get in the bed and cuddle with dad. My okay. nine, my eight, my six, my my one-year-old. But my 19, it would just feel a little awkward. Mm. That's messed up, man. That's why men feel. That's why we be so closed off and don't know how to show emotions. You know what I mean? Get that man a little cuddle time. My son hopping in bed. Cuddle with daddy today. <laughs> with his armpit hair on me. And it's like, that's <laughs> not going to, that's, that's not. Armpit hair. That's horrible, bro. That's horrible. I'm sorry. Now, let's talk about cycle breakers. Yes. Now, that's very important, especially when it comes to our dynamic of family, right? Yes, yes, yes. Cycle breakers are people who are the first in their family to do a thing. The first in their family to to be rich, to go mm -hmm. to college, to mm -hmm. maybe not go to college, to be married, um, all sorts of things. And I think when you are a cycle breaker, there is a lot of pushback Man. from the people who have not changed, from the people who are still in, you know, maybe some of those unhealthy relationships. Because, you know, it's hard to see people do something that you couldn't or do something that feels like a threat to who you are or do something that, you know, makes you think, gosh, am I supposed to change too? So being a cycle breaker, I think a lot of their support comes from people outside their family sometimes. It comes from, you know, that chosen family. It may come from, you know, some of those other family members that you don't see as often. It may come from watching TV shows and identifying with, you know, some influencer or all sorts of things. But, you know, I think cycle breaking is important and it's also really tough because you have to figure out a way to be supported that's why you're an amazing author and amazing therapist because you just be hitting things right on the nose and it makes people not feel crazy because everything you just said is true even especially the the, the 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 fact of having to find family outside of your family those that mm -hmm. that that chosen family how important is chosen family oh my gosh it's everything mm -hmm. You know, in our families, we sometimes choose. Remember I said, you know, it might be these three people mm -hmm. that you pick. But, you know, when we are outside of that family system, we have the ability to go to work and say, okay, I really like this person. And mm -hmm. I really like this person. Mm -hmm. Come on, you're, you're my family now. Mm -hmm. And we can do that with our friends. And it's just easier. The relationships are based on not blood, but just how we feel about each other. They're more authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the really important piece with, with the chosen family. Absolutely. I also wanted to discuss um, giving families grace, giving your family members grace, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about it all the time. The way that our parents were raised, mm -hmm. the world changes so much. The things that our parents say, what they talk about, you know, from something small to how we were raised to beatings back in the day. So, so do you talk about empathy and grace when it comes to family members? Because you said, you know, yeah, I mess with you and I mess with you. I don't really mess with you, this family member, but this family member might have been raised differently and that's the reason why you don't like them. Mm. Yes, I have a part in the book where I talk about like how to stop hating your parents. 
Mm. And that's all about grace because our parents have a story and some of us know the story and some of us do not, but I am certain that it is the reason that they parented you in a certain way. And when I think about, you know, when my mother tells me stories about herself, I'm like, oh, girl, I see why. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because it's, it's not what I'm experiencing right. or it's, it's different than what I'm experiencing. So it's very easy as a child to have judgments of people. You know, when we're kids, we think like this person should be doing this because they're an adult. And as an adult, I'm looking like, oh, these adults just as messy on social media as the kids. You know, or or, mm -hmm. or these adults have the same issues that, you know, they've had for a long time. So adults don't have it figured out. They just happen to be parents. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And so we do have to think about, oh, my gosh, like people have so much stuff going on and we have these expectations of them and we have to start to see them as people. I, I want to go back to uh, building support outside of your family because, you know, you have a chapter in Drama Free where you talk about that. And, and like, do, do you mean in like absent of like if your blood family isn't showing up for you should you build a family outside of that but what if you do have some blood family members you rock with should you still look to build a family outside of them all of it i mean mm -hmm. is there a such thing as having too much love or too many people no, i don't think nope. so yeah so we need blood family chosen family neighbors mm -hmm. uh all of it i would i would i would accept it all mm -hmm. you know i think there are some folks who unfortunately they don't have that love and support in their families and they have to have you know a complete new family but you know many people have a few people here and there and many people have everyone in their family so it really depends but it is an important piece. I've also seen people be very closed off to having anyone who's not a blood relative around them. Mm -hmm. You know, isolating. I, I don't hang out with people because I only, you know, I only talk to my family. Well, it's not a lot of nice people in the world. You may want to include some. That's right. That's right. Now, troubleshooting relationships with siblings. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. So, Charlemagne mentioned earlier that his third was his favorite. <laughs> I did not say that. Don't he didn't think so. Lie. Almost think Don't so. Spread that lie. But how does that Don't spread now, that lie? The older daughter might hate or dislike the third one because of that. Mm. But the third one really didn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that sibling aspect. Because Charlamagne, how many brothers and sisters you have? Uh, five. Well, five that I grew up with. Two that my dad had outside of marriage. But five that I grew up with. Four okay. that I grew up with. And how but are your relationship with all five of them? Us. Are y'all all good? Is there something that you like more than the others? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Go Don't ahead. put them on the spot. You love everybody equally. I do. I, yeah. Sure. Your heart is in five. <laughs> so, so how do you tell siblings to deal with that? You know, I I, I think it, it goes back to that. You know, it's based on your personality. Talk to it's it's uh, talk to Charlemagne. Okay, it's <laughs> it's based on your personality. It's based on who you feel you can have that authentic relationship with and. We don't feel like that with everyone, even mm -hmm. if they're related to us. And with siblings, sometimes a lot of that stuff that happens in childhood, you start to develop this idea of, you know, my parent bailed this person out or my parent did this and it was this person's fault. And that does impact adult relationships. Another thing that I see impacting siblings is when the oldest sibling had to be a caretaker for the younger siblings. Absolutely. Mm. And they have this idea of like, this is my sister, but it's my child. This is my brother, mm -hmm. but this is my baby. And, you know, here it is. You, you're 40 and they 35 and you mothering them. 
And then there's this issue of, well, they don't want your mothering anymore. Now they want a sister. So how do we transition Mm -hmm. out of that role and really into a sibling relationship? You know, we can redefine our relationships with people at any point and talk about some of the resentment if there is a favorite child situation, because you're right. It's not one child's um, fault that that happens. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, really based on the parent's choice, but it is easier sometimes for them to be mad at the siblings. So those are conversations to have. And and I also think, you know, you can't force sibling relationships, right? Like I'm the second oldest, but it's such an age gap between me and my older sister. And it's such an age gap between my two younger brothers and younger sisters. So I loved them, but we didn't necessarily have that relationship growing up because everybody was busy doing their own thing. Like my two younger brothers are super close because they're closer in age. Mm -hmm. So is it a parent's job to like force those relationships to happen? No. Um, I I think sometimes parents think they're supposed to, right? Like, you know, this is your brother. Y'all have to stick together. This is your sister. You have to stick Mm -hmm. together. But a lot of that is just natural. You'll see small kids like, I want to hold my baby brother. Mm-hmm. I want, and, and another kid might be like, I'm going outside. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do we allow people to mm-hmm. select their people? So we shouldn't mm-hmm. force them. Because I force my kids. Okay. Like, the, like I have a, a 19-year-old and I have an 8-year-old. And I will be like, when you go to football practice, take your brother with you. Mm-hmm. Let him hang out with his brother. You know what I mean? That sounds like caretaking to me. No, no, no. It's not because I want him. To, I want him to experience that because there's some things that I didn't. I didn't play football as a kid. My my 19 year old does, and he, and he's a good player. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that my eight year old looks up to him as a football player. So I'd be like, go out with your brother. Go play with your brother. Go, go play. Bring Logan in, man. Logan going to college next year. How about this? You keep saying he's 19 in high school. No, no, he go to college next year. Oh, his birthday is December 28th. But I, I, that's what I do. Even with you know with whatever it may be, playing video games. I don't play video games. My 19-year-old does. So I'd be like, mm-hmm. go in the room with your brother. I force him to do it. And I notice it keeps him close. So now my my nine, my eight-year-old will come in my room and be like, Dad, can I sleep in Logan's room? And I'm like, go ask him. But like, mm-hmm. he's, he's starting to develop that bond where it is close. So I kind of force him to do it. Fostering is the word you want to use, not force. Mm-hmm. Um, you help them foster a relationship by making these suggestions. And it sounds like over time, they have both grown to appreciate that. Forcing is when you say, take this kid with you, and they're like, ugh, right. I don't want to do it, right? So you're helping them learn to have a relationship together, and that is healthy. Now, when you're forcing mm-hmm. your <laughs> your children to be close, I think that's different. It's, it's not really closeness. It is, you know, we can do this while we're here, but when when people leave your home, like, how do you want those relationships to be? And that's what you need to think about. Like, if you're Mm -hmm. forcing it, well, when they leave home and they're out in the world, who's going to force it then? No one. There's no real closeness. So if you're fostering it and they're both open to having closer relationships, then yeah. But forcing it, I think, is not necessarily a healthy technique. Because my biggest fear, and this is just me, something I got to work through, but I don't think I'm ever going to get through it, is me not being there, right? Mm -hmm. So something happens to me or I'm not there. I'm trying to create a tight family that they can look after each other. So mm-hmm. my dad has two sisters, right? And to this day, he, my dad is 80 years old. If something happens to one of his sisters, he is there. Doctor's mm-hmm. appointment, one lives in Virginia, one lives in Westchester. He is there. And I love that relationship. When their mom died, he became, they all like protect each other. At 80, they'll fight for each other right now. That's what I'm trying to establish with 
this little tribe that no matter what you look out for each other if something happens this one has your back you can call this one no matter what it may be you know that's what i try to establish with the family vibe well i will say that it sounds like you have a healthy foundation where that is possible mm -hmm. i think some people do not um, and that's where you start to see a lot of that conflict and lack of closeness. Your kids have a two-parent household. Mm -hmm. Your kids, it sounds like, have a lot of love. Mm -hmm. They have the support of each other. Um, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll have that closeness. I think there are other situations where, you know, when you think about some serious family issues, people are, like, vying for very little attention from, you know, an absent parent or... Um, a parent who is self-absorbed and all of these sort of things. And so, yeah, those sibling relationships are impacted. But when you have two parents showing up to be there for children, yeah, there's a higher likelihood that they will have that closeness. One other question off, off of that. Another question that people always ask and, and people talk about all the time is the closeness between mom and child, right? Mm -hmm. People say you can't be your child's best friend. Right, because mm -hmm. that's one thing people say. That's my best friend. My daughter's my best friend. My I'm son's people. my best friend. Hmm? I'm people. You people. <laughs> but how do you feel about that? Um, when someone is a child, I don't think so because it's one sided. Um, you certainly wouldn't share, you know, with your child. Girl, we went to the club, and not appropriate, mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can listen to a lot of what your kid is saying, and you can give them, um, some feedback and. Hopefully they have a relationship where they trust being able to talk to you. I wouldn't necessarily call that a best friendship as much as I would say that is a healthy relationship with your child. You don't want to be in a best friendship where you're oversharing with your child. Your child is hyper-focused on your needs because you have so much stuff mm. going on. That's where it gets a little murky. It's like, okay, what is this? What is the definition of this best friendship? If it's you caring for your child and your child is just being open with you, okay, cool. That's best friendship for you. But if it's, you know, this person is always here for me, where well, they're eight, you know, they should not always, <laughs> <laughs> right. they, they shouldn't always be there for you. Find you some friends at work. Um, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I think when kids get older, you know, and I don't even know if it's in their 20s. I think it takes a certain amount of living life for you to be able to start having those conversations where the parent can start to pull back a bit and and not, um, I don't want to say hide so much, but not be as open. Because I think it's some stuff we can tell kids that's just inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I think it's some things that 20-somethings can tell parents that's inappropriate. Like, how healthy is it for a 20-something-year-old daughter to be talking to her dad about the sex life. Or, like, I don't think, the, I don't want to hear that. Well, maybe not details, but... Details. Kn knowing your daughter is sexual, sexually active, I, I guess that's okay. Details, it, it depends on the father's comfort level. Yeah. 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 See, I know what you're talking about, because I, I, I don't want to be... No, that's it. That's, that's all. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. This is a, a, a direct situation. Okay. All right. Yeah, not amongst us, just, amongst amongst yeah, us. Just, we, just some things we've been overhearing. Now, you you refer to family as a cultural system in the book, Drama Free. What, what does that mean? Mm. 
So families have their own thing, you know. In your family, it might be, you know, when you have a baby, the baby go live with your grandma for three months or, you know, whatever your program is. It is how you learn to be, how you learn to exist. When we get married, we do this. When we, um, whatever, this is what happens. It is a whole culture. I think what's interesting is, when we take our culture and we try to move that culture into the world, when we try to get married and we try to get into relationships and we're telling our partner what's normal and they're like, no, this is what we did in my family. That's where you start to see like, oh, this is how my family was. And now we have to figure out a new culture for ourselves. Mm. We have to figure out a new way to engage because maybe neither one of those things work for us and we need a new way of being and that's when you start getting into you know maybe the blended family and in-law stuff but yeah we come with a system of you you spoke about it with your with your dad and his siblings like mm -hmm. the culture is you are close to your siblings mm -hmm. if something happens to them now what if one of your kids steps outside of that is like oh my gosh why is he over here like not checking on his sisters mm -hmm. or not doing this thing because the culture has already been established in your family and that expectation has been set so you know the cultural the cultural piece is only problematic when somebody sort of breaks away from it and the others disagree see because for a lot of especially our families it's more the i told you so syndrome right mm -hmm. growing up as a kid is dad can i go there no why because i told you so my wife is a little different. It took me a long time to get to it because I was the same way, right? My dad's retired police officer, so that's what he did, right? I told you so, why? Right, because he didn't want to tell me the reasons why. But my wife wants well, to have- I said so, that's what he said. Oh, because I said so, so right. Yeah. But my wife likes to have conversations, right? I don't like the conversations because it's, if I tell you something, do it. But my kids are like, but why can't I? But why doesn't that make sense? And she'll sit there and have conversation with them all day. Um, I guess it's a better way because they understand the reason why and they don't, leave being mad and don't leave being hateful mm -hmm. what is your suggestion when it comes to that i'm a mom so i do a little explaining i also over talk to my dog so you know get off of there go in the it's like sit could have helped yeah, sit, right just sit, sit, did it. Just sit <laughs> is enough you're over there messing up stuff <laughs> right I'm, I'm saying way too much Has so the dog ever talk back never okay. um, <laughs> thankfully um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think with kids, it is helpful sometimes to give them some reason. You know, kids are people and it is helpful for them to know why and how and what this means, because in the future, hopefully with that understanding, they'll be able to tap into that conversation and say, oh, this is why I shouldn't do that. Without that level of understanding, you may not know next time. So it can be helpful to just explain things. And that is a cultural shift, right? When you come from just because I said so. Well, all the because I said so's weren't healthy for us. We yeah, have some adults right. telling us stuff and it's like, she did not know what she talking about. That's right. <laughs> you know, so so if somebody can explain their why, sometimes it could be really helpful for them in the future. And sometimes you'll hear them talking to their friends and you're like, oh, those are my words. So mm -hmm. it helps. I, I want people to go pick up the book Drama Free. So I don't want to, you know, give too much away but i love the resisting the urge to operate in dysfunction mm. chapter because sometimes i wonder i don't think people can help it if they haven't you know done the work to even recognize this is dysfunctional to them they just operate in you know in normalcy so what does that mean resisting the urge to operate in dysfunction especially it's, if you don't know it's dysfunction it's learning to be different i think we have so many times in life where we are shown 
different things and it's up to us to pick it up, whether that's visiting a friend's house, seeing something on TV. If we just process some of that information like, wow, that's what they do in their house and have those conversations, even with our siblings, with other family members, with our friends, you will learn that some of the things that you are experiencing, they may be normal for you, but they are not necessarily the healthiest. Mm. All right. We appreciate you for joining us this morning. Pick up the book, Drama Drama Free. Free. And listen, this Wednesday, uh, I'm going to be in conversation with Miss Nadra Tawab Glover at the Bell House, Brooklyn, New York, at 7 p.m., okay? It might be sold out already. I don't know. I I think it's pretty sold out. It is, right? Okay. Well, I I guess for more information and tickets, visit NadraTawab.com. If it's sold out, don't worry about it. But definitely go but, out there and pick up the book wherever right. you purchase pick your books. Book. That's right. Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships. Always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. All right, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.